0: It's good to be with you all this morning. To Michael and the praise team, thank you for leading us. Can we just show our appreciation to those who are helping us out this morning? Appreciate you all so much. Thank you so much for what you do. And for everyone at home, I'm Josh, one of the ministers here. It's good to be with you, even if we're joining you in your living room, your car, wherever you may be joining us. Welcome, welcome. Today we are in part three of a series called Activate. And I'm going to invite you to go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We'll get into the message here in just a moment, but one of the things that we believe in wholeheartedly as a church is that, and, and here's sort of the big idea. Let me just let me give you the big idea for the series. Are you ready? The big idea is simply this. The hope of the world is not the church. Every week when I do that, I always have someone who kind of looks up and they're like, what? Where did I come into The hope of the world is not the church. Rather, are you ready? Here it is. The hope of the world is the activated church. The hope of the world is the activated or active church. In other words, God did not save us so that we could simply sit, soak, and stay. God saved us so we may be encouraged And then sent to help save others in the power and the name of Jesus Christ through the power of his Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen from anyone? So that is why we are here. And the church is only as good as those who have been called by God, saved by God, sent by God, actually go and actively live into the purposes for which they have been saved and called. You say, okay, so what does that mean? Well, here, I'm going to give you a real simple way that we're all going to this morning make a difference before I get even into the lesson. Are you ready? Grab your phones one more time. Go with me to clearcreekcoc.org Clear slash sunday, Creek slash sunday. That is our church sort of uh, landing page for everything going on here. And as Mitch already said, there's teaching notes. There's a tab to give, tab to do your next steps. There's a whole bunch of things. But what I want you to help me with, and you can really help someone this morning by simply doing one thing. Go to the very bottom of that page on the Sunday page, and there's a little section there that says connect. That is our digital connection card. And if you're online, you'd fill it out as well because here's the deal. For everyone who fills out one of the cards individual or family, Clear Creek is going to make a special donation to one of our ministry partners. And so all month, every Sunday in August, if you fill it out, we're going to make a special donation to specifically Cry for the Broken. That is a ministry dedicated to helping get women off the streets, find dignity in God, hope and a purpose, and help them into who God has called them to be. And all you have to do is say, hey, I'm here. So if you can do that, you can change lives this morning. See how easy it is to be a part of the family of God and make a difference. So I'm going to ask you, fill that out this morning. And by the way, we haven't even gotten into the message, so let's talk for a moment here. Today, we're going to dive into part three of Activate. What does it mean to live an active life? And I believe today's topic and content may be the one missing ingredient to who God has called you to be. And if you will engage with what we talk about, hear me out. listen, listen. There is no age requirement for what we talk about this morning. If you are old enough to hear what I'm saying, then you can embrace what we're about to talk about. For every student here, if you're in elementary school or an elementary grade, this lesson is for you. Mamas and daddies, poke your kids, wake them up because this is for them. If this if you are a parent, then this message is for you. If you are a business owner, this is for you. If you are an employee, this is for you. If you are a neighbor, This is for you. If you're a teacher, this is for you. You say, what is it? Well, let me start with this. Back in World War II, the enemy torpedoed a naval ship. On board were 1,100 people. True story, the ship began to go down, and it went down fast. 1,100 people began to survive in the cold waters. For five days, they tried to stay alive, fighting the cold, fighting the drowning, fighting hunger, and shark attacks. About day five, there was this current that pulled nine of the crewmen away. And as they did, they were sucked away, and things got bad. In fact, because of how bad things looked, one young officer saw how the morale among those nine of which he was a part, he saw that people were giving up hope, they were beginning to give in, they were saying, this is it, it's over, and he began to say, oh no, 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 the best is yet to come. Now he didn't speak in flowery preacher language, here's what he did do, he began to ask them questions, he said, hey, what do you want to do when you get back home? What's it going to be like when you see your wife and your children's faces again? Hey, what is your purpose when you make it back? Who do you want to impact? Who do you want to bless? How will the world be better when you make it home? And he began to call to their memory visions of what it will be like and how things will look. He began to raise their gaze from their circumstance and say, there is a tomorrow, don't give up on today. And he then started saying, and think about how sad your wife and kids would be if you don't get home. What would it be like for your parents if they never hear how you how you died, if they they don't know what happened to you. What would it be like to imagine the day they get that news? What will that be like for them if you give up today? And because of his encouragement, he began to give them vision even in the moment. Now, to my knowledge, he was not a high-ranking official. He was not some well-to-do sailor. He was one of the crew, and yet his words inspired the other eight eventually an airplane did see the wreckage, rescue was made. The sad news is of the 1,100 people in that vessel, two-thirds of them died. But of the nine who had been pulled away and encouraged by the one, all nine made it to see their families again. You say, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? It has everything to do with today's Topic. And here it is. Here it is very simply today as we talk about living activated, Christ-honoring, life-giving lives. It's simply this. We've been called to be active leaders or active. Well, this is what John Maxwell puts it. He says this. Leadership is influence. Leadership is influence. Here's what this means. Leadership is not reserved for the elite Leadership is not reserved for someone of a certain age or a certain status or a certain income or a certain education or a certain GPA or IQ. Leadership is all about influence. Influence is simply affecting the way people think and behave. And if you live near people, congratulations, you are a leader because you have influence. If you are in a small group, you are a leader because you have influence. If you have just started a brand new job, congratulations, you are a leader because you will have influence in your business. If you are a business owner with only three employees, you are a leader because you have influence over those three lives. Here's what I'm saying. It does not matter your age. This morning, hear me now, please hear me, please don't don't let this go out of your ears. Everyone in this room is a leader because everyone in here has a sphere of influence. And this changes everything, folks. You've not been called to wait on someone else to lead you. God has put you where you are to lead other people. In fact, James tells us very clearly, he says, listen, don't just be hearers of the word, listening to what God says, but you step into it and you do what God says. The fact is we live in a world that is sinking beneath the waves of despair We are living in neighborhoods where families are falling apart. We're living in a city that is gripped by addiction. We are surrounded by people who desperately need to know the hope of Jesus Christ. And you say, who will help them? Who will tell them? And God goes, tag, you're it. I put you here and I've given you leadership because you have influence over the lives of people. Now, if you're feeling a little overwhelmed by that, take a deep breath. Because we're not the first to be called into this. 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul speaks to his young protege, Timothy, who was about 20 to 30 years of age, and he had been tasked, get this, with being the leader of the churches throughout the city of Ephesus. Paul is riding from a prison anywhere from about four months to four years before he is to be executed, decapitated for his faith by Caesar Nero. And as his final letter that we have, this letter is just one leadership lesson after the other. By the way, if you want a crash course in leadership, how to maximize your influence, you go home and study 2 Timothy because it is chock full of this is how you lead, this is how you love, and it's all about the influence that you use to help encourage and esteem and bless and change people's lives. So Paul is going to say, I want to give you three things. I want to give you three things, church, of what active influencers do. If you believe that God has placed you where you are for a purpose, and even if you don't, you embrace these three things, and I guarantee the world will be different around you. Here's the very first thing. If you want to take these notes, number one is active influencers fill up. Everybody say, fill up. Now, I'm not saying fill up like Philip Cannon or another person. I mean fueling yourself, filling yourself up because... Before you go on a long trip, what do you have to do with the car? You have to fill it up. You have to fuel up before you can go somewhere. Here's the reality. We cannot give what we have yet to receive. And so Paul puts it this way in chapter 4, verse 2. He says, be prepared, notice this, in season and out of season. In other words, you be prepared and be preparing year after. Round. Now, he's using a, uh, an agricultural metaphor, picture. He's saying, just as there is season for planting and harvesting, you need to be preparing and preparing. Now, I love, I love harvest season in life, don't you? I mean, I love that season, whatever it is that you've been investing in, you've been pouring your time, your effort, your energy. I love that moment where you get to enjoy the investment. That is the harvest. How many of us in here like Harvest time in life. Any of you like harvest time in life? Yesterday, we had harvest time in the Diggs uh, family. Diggs house, excuse me. Yesterday, we have put together this little garden. And when I say we, I mean my wife and my children. I just, I watch. And we built little gables. We watched the little vines grow up with the beans, the little bean socks. And yesterday, after a lot of tender work, pulling weeds, prepping, miracle grow, and a whole lot of praying and cursing the rabbits that keep eating all of our stuff, we finally had a harvest time. Lindsay went out and she got a bucket full. I mean, it was like this big, a bucket full of green beans. When Lindsay and I did the math on how much we paid for the miracle grow, the topsoil, we kind of went, that wasn't very smart, but it was ours. We had harvest. And so she brought it inside. She dumped this little pile of beans. She started cracking them apart. She put them in a fry pan, a little olive oil, some seasoning. And last night we enjoyed the vegetables of our labor. I love harvest. But do you notice Paul does not simply say, you be prepared when people are ready to listen he says you prepare not in just the in season. You prepare out of season. When it's time to be laying the groundwork, tilling the ground, planting the seed. You say, oh, you mean with other people. No, I mean with you. Before you can ever give someone the fruit of your life, you have to invest in your life so something is produced by God's Holy Spirit so you have something to share. Do you follow me here? Active influencers year-round, are filling themselves up. You say, how do you do this? Let me be very, very practical with you this morning. Here's the phrase I want you to remember. Faithfulness, put this up, faithfulness today produces fruitfulness tomorrow. Okay, what does faithfulness look like? Faithfulness, you need to be faithful in being filled up daily. I have a question for you. Do you have a daily fill-up plan Do you have a daily plan to fill up so that when the moment comes, because you don't know when the influential moment will happen. A lot of us think that when the moment, the crisis happens, the big moment happens, I'll step up. No, 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 no. You will simply pour out what you've already poured into your life in that moment. So do you have a plan for it? You say, well, what's a plan? Okay, a plan would be this. Do you have a plan to hear from God every day and let him pour into you? The way you do that is through scripture reading, but not simply looking at the words. It is letting the words look at you to examine you. Scripture is not simply words we read, but it is a mirror that we hold up to our face, and it begins to show us who we really are and who God is calling us into becoming. Are you in the Word of God daily, letting Him speak to you? And don't just listen, but chew on it. The word we use is meditate. Meditate does not mean that you sit cross-legged, hold your fingers like this and go, um because that's just dumb. Okay, that's not meditation. Meditation understood by Scripture is, it's the idea of an old dog chewing on a bone, just constantly, a bone for hours where the flavor of the bone is savored Enjoyed, and this is the idea of Scripture where you allow the truth of God's Word to roll over your tongue, the mind of your heart, over and over and over so it becomes a part of who you are. This is a daily fill-up plan. Do you have time with God? Are you speaking to God in prayer? This simply means, God, help me. If you don't know what else to say, say that. Or, God, thank you. So help me or thank you. He'll get the rest. Read reflect, listen, and talk to him in prayer. This is what it means to fill up. And it's not just that you're learning as you fill up, but listen, listen, some of us need to embrace the art and the spiritual discipline of rest. You go, wait, wait, hold on. Rest can be a discipline, a spiritual one? Tell me more, Josh. Did you realize that rest partnered with work is actually the way God made things? Some of us cannot give our best when we're not at our best. And we are not at our best when we're running on fumes. This means to have a fill-up plan means that you get to bed at a good time, you rest, and then you come into the day to be filled up by God so you can give yourself away. Oh, there's so much more to say. We don't have time. But do you have a fill-up plan? Because active influencers fill up year round because faithfulness today produces fruitfulness tomorrow that's the first thing that he's going to say to us the second thing he says don't just fill up when it's time you need to show up active influencers show up can anyone say show up for me show up yeah and some of you've shown up this morning and I love this I love watching your posture by the way there are some of you that I love watching because when you show up here, you're not passive. You're actually leaning forward, leaning into it. I see you taking notes. It's not because of what I have to say is worth anything, but it's because you come expecting to be present because you believe God is in our midst. By the way, did you realize God, the Creator of the universe, is in this room right now? It, this would be a great time to say, "Mm-hmm." A- anyone? He is here. Not because we're in a building, but because his people are here. Showing up is part of leading because your leadership is influence. That when you are present, be here's the key idea be fully present when you're present. Uh, How many of you um, find that you have like this additional appendage that goes with you wherever you are and you're constantly like, (laughs) just a moment. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. What, what was that? Oh, yeah, okay. Be present. Put the phone down. I feel like it's a hostage negotiation half the time. Like, come on. No, no. Put the phone down. What do you want? We'll give you anything. Just put the phone down. You cannot influence people if you are not present both physically and mentally. It is not a possibility to invest in others if you are not aware of others. This is why Paul says, be prepared in season and out of season. And then notice this, he says, correct, rebuke, and encourage. Do you you notice this? Correct, rebuke, encourage. Interesting. These are all radically different responses to people. The word rebuke simply means to stop, to cease, to desist, quit doing it. It's like what you do with your children when they're misbehaving and they're little and you grab their cheeks and you go... Stop it. That is the word for rebuke. Then you have correct. Correct is not stop it, it's rather correcting is redirecting. Don't go this way, go that way. And then you have this other word, which is encourage, literally to fill up or to give courage to someone. Meaning you're going the right way, just keep going. Three different responses stop, redirect, keep going. Now, how do you know what response is needed if you're not near the person to find out what they need? Do you follow this? Paul is literally saying that true leadership, true leaders, influencers of the highest calibers, they lead according to the need, but you don't know the need unless you're around the people. You and I have been called to show up. What would it look like to show up in your spheres of influence this week? What would it look like, parents, to show up in the lives of your children? Not simply to have dinner around a table or in front of a TV, but what would it look like to ask questions and then listen to what's going on and then draw out from them what is going on in their little hearts? You understand you know things about your kids no one else will know because you sit at their bedside and listen at night. What would it look like? to show up, what would it look like spouses to show up in your marriage where you ask questions and you are there and you listen. Men, we are the worst at this sometimes. Now, I'll listen, but, but maybe not really listen. You know what I'm talking about? Um, there's this one guy who talks about how men have this thing called the nothing box. How many of you have ever heard of the nothing box? Any of you know what the nothing box is? The nothing box, you say, what's that? Basically, men's brains are made up of a bunch of different little boxes. They're all separate. So you go to work in the morning and you get out your work box. You you following me? You go to work. Then when you're done with work, what do you do? You put your work box away. You then get your I'm at home box, right? Right? So you're home. Then you put that away. No, no, no. Before I tell you more, ladies' brains are different. They aren't boxes, according to this one speaker. He says, no, no, no. Women's brains are like spaghetti. Any of you know what spaghetti's like? Everything's touching everything. There is none of this, well, I've got my box, and then I'm done with that box, and I'm, it's, oh, no. We're talking about this situation, but really, we're talking about that one over there. Can I get an amen from all the men? (laughs) Now, here's the reality, fellas. You show up at home. You have had a big day. You're tired. You're spent. You pull out your marriage box. You spend a few minutes with your wife. You put it away. You go in front of the TV, and you open up your favorite box, the nothing box. (laughs) And here's why it's called the nothing box. You're sitting there watching TV. Your wife says, what are you thinking about? And you say, nothing. (laughs) Nothing. and you, the wife goes oh no you got to be thinking something and we're like no 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 really the hamster in here stopped moving it's done it's the no- now but i'm talking to you so now i'm out of the nothing box and i'm in the discussing with my wife box how i'm not in the nothing box anymore but but well, what would it look like brothers if we would engage our marriages if we would take that box of our marriage and when we're in that box be in that Box. See, we don't simply fill up, we show up. See, as a leader, if you are around people, you have influence over them. God has placed you where you are, not simply to sit and soak, but to serve and share and lead and love. And it's all about the influence that he's given that you now get to leverage for the benefit of other people. This is what Paul is calling us into. But you'll never know what it means to lead and serve and influence others unless you are showing up. Now, there's a key thing here. Now, I love what Evan, our discipleship minister, talks about. He says, listen, there are two times to show up. Two times to show up. Number one, show up. Oh, there it is. Okay, when it is expected and when it is unexpected. You say, what does that mean? Let me be real practical here. Expected times to show up. Here's a real simple way. It's the major milestones Show up at the major milestones. Those are the expected. For a preacher, it's the four Bs. Are you ready for the four Bs of preacher? You show up at births, baptisms, burials, and when there's a bride. Okay? Those are the milestones. I don't know what your milestones will be, but you show up. The expected times are when there are milestone moments. You show up for those things. Your influence grows when you are Present. The other thing, though, is you show up when it's unexpected. What's unexpected? Well, unexpected is unexpected. It's the note in the mail. A uh, just-because time. Uh, the unexpected is when Bobby and Carol Golden come rolling in from out of town because you have an anniversary party out of state, and they want to be there to celebrate you. The The unexpected time is when Sherry Shanth, my good friend, shows up at your front door with cookies in her hand just because you're a neighbor. Those are the unexpected times. And those are the moments where because you have shown up, God works through that moment and your influence begins to grow and you are now able to speak into the life of people who desperately need to know not just Jesus, but the hope of Jesus. Boy, I'm convinced the church is full of people who know Jesus, but they don't have a clue about the hope of Jesus. Our world, could it use a little more hope, family? You show up, and God will bless it. So active influencers, well, they fill up, they show up, and finally, they stand up. They stand up. And, and this is the one that, that we need to just talk for a moment here, because this is where I'm afraid the Church of Jesus Christ may need to step into her role a little more. Paul's going to make a very important point. He's not just saying that you prepare and then you show up into the moment, but rather you're going through moments just like everyone else. And the way you handle the moments you're going through will determine how others follow or don't follow your example. Here's what he says in verse 5. Keep your head in all situations. Have you ever met a worried person? I mean, these, these people, I, the two images that come to my mind. One is the one that my mom used to talk about, how, you know, someone was so worried they looked like a chicken with their head caught off. Anyone even catch that reference? Anyone know what that, did, did anyone grow up on a farm or near chickens? You know what that means? I got a hand back here. Let, let me give you a different one. Um, how many of you remember the old Disney cartoon, The Rescuers Down Under? Any of you remember that? Some of you will remember my childhood as well. And so remember the frilled lizard from that? The frilled lizard. He'd get nervous, and when he got nervous, it'd I mean it just he'd freak out. The, the frill would come out and, and he'd just look. The world is going nuts over everything right now. We got a bunch of frilled lizards, headless chickens, we've got people who are doing the wrong things because they are afraid of what's happening. And Paul says that to have active influence does not simply mean that we are filling up or showing up, but we stand up when things are hard. In fact, he goes on to say, endure hardships. In other words, your influence over other people and in your environment will be directly directly proportionate to how well you stand up under the hardship that you're facing. You say, well, where do I get that strength? Oh, let's go back to point one. You've got to be filling up your round because you don't know when the season's going to change. You fill up, you show up, and then you stand up. You say, okay, okay, what does that mean to stand up? Well, notice he then goes on. He says, and, and Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Now, right there, every one of us, because we know this word, because we've seen the big-haired guys on TV with the big white teeth fly like an eagle, and you think that's what an evangelist is. That is not the biblical picture. Ready for a Greek word? The word evangelist comes from a root word, euangelion. It means good news. In fact, that's the word that we also get this other very important church word, gospel. An evangelist is simply this, a good news giver. He says, Timothy, you be... A good news giver. And if he were sitting with us today, he would look out and he'd say, listen, you want to be an active influencer. You be a good news giver. Really? Yes, this world needs good news. And God has put you in where you are To deliver that good news. Can you imagine how your workplace would look different, or your school would look different, or your marriage, or your neighborhood? Because there are people who need good news, and God has given you the job. You say, Really? Yeah, notice this. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. And what's that ministry? It's to give good news. Now, Timothy's location and the way he did it is different than yours. But the job is going to be the same no matter where you are. We are to be dispensers of hope, hope dealers. I love that idea. It's like, would you like a little hope? It's free all the time. He says, this is what it looks like to be an active influencer that we would fill up, we would show up that we would stand up and oh my I love the fact that I am surrounded in a church full of people who are not merely listeners but you already do this so well friends I'm simply calling you to take your next step and to look at the people around you and say I've not simply been called to blend in I've been called to be the spokesperson in the Room of drowning people to speak up to what God is calling us into and call our eyes to the God who is saving, is working, is at work. This is not the end. God is not done. God is at work, and we get to share that good news with others. We are, by God's grace, called into being active influencers, and that is the gift of God to us today. Let me ask you a question How are you influencing those you're influencing? It's bottom line. See, at the end of the day, every one of us is influencing someone towards one direction or another. The verses we skipped, Paul says, there's coming a day, Timothy, where people won't put up with what is right. They'll just ask people to tell them what they want to hear. Uh, And I'm not even going to ask you if you've seen anything like that in the news over the past day. Never mind the past week, month, or year. So every one of us is influencing people in a direction, aren't we? The question is, am I influencing people in the right direction? And the way to do that, Paul says, you fill up. You show up. And then when times are hard, by God's grace, he will empower you to stand up. And you don't do this alone. Jesus Christ himself led the way in this, didn't he? He filled up with God daily. He showed up when people desperately needed hope. And then he stood up under temptation and the weight of our sin on the cross. He stood up. He received the punishment that was ours to receive. And yet he took it. He stood up under it. He died a cruel death. He claimed victory over it. He kicked the teeth out of death's mouth. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. And all those who follow him now are invited to be influencers who fill up Show up and stand up. Praise God. Thank you for what you've done.